coming up. They told us that Morgan tried to kill Bella and that she did it for Slender Man. And uh, yeah, what? For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. And I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Nine years and nine days. Nine years and nine days ago, tragedy struck this community, our community. In September of 2012, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, a college student named Faith Hedgepath was found dead in an off-campus apartment. Nine years later, there's been a break in the case. Sometimes justice is swift, other times it takes longer. Today, after nine years and a week, an arrest has been made in the murder of Faith Hedgepath. Up in Waukesha, Wisconsin, one of two individuals who pleaded guilty in the high-profile Slender Man stabbing has been released. These images can be disturbing and frightening. You see them in alleys, windows, even over the shoulders of people in photos. This is Slender Man. If you're a regular listener of The Daily Crime, then you know we usually bring a local news reporter on for an interview about a different case each day of the week. But because there are so many cases we'd like to cover and only so many days in the week, we're going to try something a little different on Fridays. Instead of talking to a reporter about the case, Reed and I are going to chat with each other about a few different cases. Well, let's start today with a story you've been looking into out of Wisconsin. Some news on a case that a lot of us probably remember from 2014, the Slenderman stabbing case. Before we get into the update here, remind us what happened back in 2014. There were three friends, all 12 years old. And the three girls were Anissa Wire, Morgan Geyser, and Peyton Leitner. They had a sleepover back in May of 2014. And the next day, the next morning after this sleepover, they they basically lured their friend, so Anissa Wire and Morgan Geyser, lured their classmate Peyton Leitner into a park. This was in the Milwaukee suburb of Waukesha. And according to reports and what we know of what happened, Morgan Geyser stabbed Leitner multiple times. Uh, in all, she had 19 stab wounds. She barely survived. The reason behind this and, and what we know about it and what we heard a lot about at the time was this Slenderman character. Slenderman had grown out of the internet and really an internet meme that had come into being and had taken on, uh, I guess, sort of a larger-than-life importance for a, a lot of people. Um, and certainly these two young women who who were involved in this stabbing. And, you know, if you if you remember, Slender Man was this tall, sort of sinister-looking figure, uh, often depicted wearing sort of a suit with these long arms or tentacles, you might say. Uh, but just this terrifying image and, and character. And the two girls claimed that they actually had been led by Slender Man to kill their friend in order to uh, avoid him killing their families. So they were completely involved in this story, in this... Uh, idea that somehow they had to do this. What came out of this was that Peyton Leitner was able to actually crawl out of the woods. Uh, a passing bicyclist actually saw her and was able to get her uh, an ambulance, get her to the hospital, called 911. So uh, it's a miracle that she survived. But when this all came out, it was just sort of uh, this astounding news for anyone who you know was not familiar with this internet character or meme, the Slender Man. Uh, it was just tragic and, and horrifying to consider. And from there, these two 12-year-old girls, Anissa Wire and Morgan Geyser, their cases would be heard in adult court, right? Yeah, Reed. So Geyser and Wire were both charged in adult court with first-degree attempted intentional homicide. Wire pleaded 
uh, guilty to a lesser charge. A jury found her to be not guilty by a mental disease or defect. Uh, Geyser pleaded guilty to the first-degree charges, and as part of her plea agreement, she was convicted but found not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. They were both given rather long sentences. So these two very young girls who were uh, involved in this in this stabbing, uh, one of them, uh, Wire, was given 25 years, and the other was given 40 years in a mental institution. So they, they both had long sentences at the time. And so these sentences, as I understand it, Wire and Geyser can seek conditional release before their full commitment is up based on their treatment. It's not the same as a prison sentence where they're only there to serve time. It's it's treatment-based, right? Yeah, so Anissa Wire, uh, who, who's now 19, actually, and she's been in this mental institution, the Winnebago Mental Health Institute, uh, for around four years or so, has done exactly that. She said that she has you know, received treatment and uh, has petitioned to be released. She went before the judge who sentenced her earlier this year, and just recently the judge decided that she uh, indeed could be released this week. So as far as we know, she has been let out. Uh, there are certainly uh, conditions of that release, constant GPS monitoring and also outpatient psychiatric treatment under the conditions uh, of her release. And I believe that actually goes up uh, f- until she's you know in her mid-30s, which is when her original sentence would have gone through. So, uh, you know, some very stringent rules about her release. But this, you can imagine, even though they might have known it was coming, came... I think, uh, you know, as a shock to the family uh, of Peyton Leitner, uh, who experienced, you know, this horrible trauma at such a young age. Peyton Leitner has now gone on and, uh, from what we know, is in college. She has a part-time job. She's bought her first used car and has, you know, two cats. So she's been able to go on and lead a a relatively normal life. She has done interviews uh, to some extent over the years about what happened to her when she was so young and this story became such huge huge news. What about the other individual who pleaded guilty to the stabbing, Morgan Geyser? Where do things stand for her now? Morgan uh, remains uh, in a mental institution. Again, she was sentenced up to 40 years. Uh, Last year, just last year, state appeals court upheld her sentence. So she remains uh, in in a mental institution. And again, she was the one who was convicted uh, in the actual stabbing um, and 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 Wire was the accomplice, as it was decided at the time by court and by jury. So, Reed, before we move on to the next story, I want to play a little bit of audio here. This is uh, Angie Geyser. She's the mother of Morgan Geyser, talking about actually the day that she learned that her daughter had been uh, arrested for this terrible stabbing. Um, but they wouldn't tell me what had happened. They just told me that um, that her friend was hurt, and she said that Morgan did it. And, I mean, instantly, I just... Yeah. I couldn't even fathom how how that could have happened. I mean, Morgan was such a, she was just always such a, a gentle yeah. and and kind person. She was a, she was a vegetarian because yeah. she didn't want to hurt animals. Um, so we decided to um, to just drive to the police station, and I mean, we, we thought we were going to pick her up. That's how like clueless we were about everything that had happened. We thought that we were just going to go and pick her up and go home, and and that would be that. And finally, um, they came out, Detective Casey and uh, that other detective, the one that interrogated Anissa, and they, they told us that um, she was being charged with attempted homicide. I, it was, I'm just in shock. I mean, you're just in shock. I mean, I, I sobbed. I, I threw up. I ran to the bathroom and I threw up. Um, and it just didn't even seem possible. But even like at that point, they didn't tell us exactly what had happened. I mean, we still didn't know 
what she had been accused of. Yeah. Reed, you've been looking into a story from our partner station in Greensboro, North Carolina, WFMY. Uh, we had an arrest in a nine-year-old case out of Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Take us through what happened nine years ago. We actually just passed the exact date of the nine-year anniversary of this case. It was on the morning of September 7th, 2012, that the body of a UNC Chapel Hill student named Faith Hedgepeth was discovered in an off-campus apartment where she'd been staying at the time. And this is a case that has gotten a lot of attention over the years. It's been the subject of a handful of documentaries and podcasts that get into all of the details of the case. But I'll give just sort of an overview of what happened, or at least what we know about what happened. And and I'll mention that some of these details come from reports in a Raleigh newspaper, The News and Observer. Apparently, Faith was staying with a friend at the time. She was waiting to move into an apartment of her own. She was a sophomore at UNC Chapel Hill. So... You know, it's sort of around the start of the semester when everybody's catching up, figuring out where they're going to live. The night before her body was discovered, Faith had gone to a campus library with a couple of friends. One of them was the friend that she was staying with. They went back to the apartment, decided to go out to a nightclub later that night. Surveillance footage shows them getting there. At about 12.40 a.m., leaving at 2.06 a.m., they head back to the apartment. Around 4.25 a.m., the friend decides to leave to go stay with a male friend, and she leaves Faith asleep in the apartment with the door unlocked. Later on in the morning, around 11 a.m., the friend would return, and she would find Faith in a pool of blood. And for nine years, nobody's really known what exactly happened during that six-and-a-half-hour window, other than that she'd been beaten to death, as a medical examiner would later determine. And police have said that they believe the murder weapon is likely a rum bottle that was usually kept in the kitchen. So, Reed, before we talk more about the case, tell us more about Faith Hedgepeth. What can you tell us about her? Right. As I mentioned, she was a student at UNC Chapel Hill. She was a sophomore, young, just 19 years old. And I've been able to find a little bit more about her in old coverage from WFMY that mentions she was a member of the Hollywood Saponi tribe and volunteered at the, uh, the university's American Indian Center. They reported that she was pretty active in different Native American events on campus. She performed in a singing group. She danced at powwows, different things like that. She was from a town called Warrington, North Carolina, and uh, was studying biology at UNC. Friends say that she wanted to be a doctor, that her hope was to return to her tribal community and help her community in that way. And unfortunately, her life was cut short before she was able to do that. And so tell us then, Reed, uh, the, at the time, the investigation just didn't get very far, right? That's right, at least uh, not to the extent that they were able to make an arrest. Police said at the time that they didn't think the crime was random. and They recovered quite a bit of evidence at the scene. There was a note written on a fast food bag that said, I'm not stupid, and the words bitch and jealous. Uh, They also found tissue fragments and DNA on that rum bottle that I mentioned. And uh, when they administered a sexual assault kit, they collected semen. And through all of that, they were able to put together a DNA profile of a male suspect. Of course, they didn't know who that suspect was. They just had this DNA profile that Over the years, they tried to match with a bunch of different people, but never returned a match. They also conducted, according to the North Carolina Attorney General, thousands of interviews over the years. But uh, until just recently, none of that led to an arrest. So this was nine years ago, and DNA profiles and matching have come a long way, right? How's the arrest come about? Did it have anything to do with that DNA? Yeah, it did, as you can imagine. During a press conference announcing the arrest, investigators Didn't get into too much detail. They just said they made a positive DNA match with that profile derived from the crime scene. 
Uh, the person they arrested was a 28-year-old man named Miguel Enrique Salguero Olivares, and they charged him with murder. He had his first court appearance, was denied bond. Uh, he's going to be back in court here pretty soon in October. And we really don't know all that much about him. Uh, he was apparently living with his mother in Durham, North Carolina when he was arrested, but he used to live in Chapel Hill. Uh, and I think the big question moving forward is going to be what connection, if any, he might have had to Faith Hedgepath. Investigators haven't said if their investigation has revealed a connection there, but they did say uh, at least that he wasn't a suspect in their investigation back in 2012. Reed, have we heard anything from her family at this point? We have. They put out a statement in a Facebook group called Justice for Faith, uh, thanking the agencies involved in the investigation. And I'll just read a quote from it. It says, Our faith had a heart of gold and an infectious smile that illuminated a room. Although her time on earth was short, faith had an enormous impact on many. Our lives were forever changed when faith was taken from us on September 7th, 2012. We're relieved to know that someone has been arrested in faith's case. So clearly a long road ahead for this family as the case moves forward, but hopefully they'll be able to finally get some of these answers that have eluded them for almost a decade now. All right, Reed, thanks for the update on this case from nine years ago. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. As always, we'll be here with a new episode every day, Monday through Friday. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to or following the podcast wherever you're listening to this right now. If you're looking for more podcasts, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, along with Will Johnson, I'm Reed Redmond. <laughs>